Hello, and thank you for listening to this week's talk from St. Andrew's Springfield, titled Built Up and Sent Out. Unfortunately, we had a malfunction with the recording equipment, which has resulted in the first 20 seconds or so of the talk being recorded at an understandable but less than ideal sound quality. There is also an intermittent rumbling noise starting at 12 seconds of the recording, which finishes at about 20 seconds when the quality of the recording returns to normal. We sincerely apologize for this and hope that you find this week's talk encouraging. As most of you know, my parents recently came out to visit from the UK and they were here for a couple of months and it's wonderful to be able to spend so much time with them. Uh, they were very aware though that they had not been with us for Christmas or for the children's or for the children's birthdays and occasions when grandparents generally like to spoil their grandchildren. Uh, so they decided that they'd make it up to Isabel and Caleb by taking them shopping to get them a little something. Now I didn't give too much thought to what that meant until Isabel came back with a bike and Caleb with his massive scale electric set. They were wonderful gifts, uh, more than they could have hoped for, but they didn't come ready to go. They couldn't be used straight away. Both the bike and the scale electric set needed to be assembled. They were wonderful gifts, full of potential, but they needed a bit of work before they could be used. Parents, grandparents, uncles, aunts, we all know about this, don't we? Even if you're not the person who has to assemble toys on Christmas Day, the chances are you've seen it being done and you've heard the puzzled exclamations from someone who is trying to follow a simple set of instructions. That's normally me making very heavy work of it. So these gifts don't come ready to go, but we're always willing to invest a bit of time and effort to get them up and running. Well, today our focus is on a man named Apollos, who was a wonderful gift uh, to, uh, from God to the church at Ephesus and to the early church in general. But he didn't come ready to go. He needed a bit of work before he was up and running. And it was a couple called Priscilla and Aquila who were with him and enabled him to meet his full potential, to be fully effective. After that, uh, Apollos traveled to Corinth, where he made a huge impact for Jesus. So we're going to look at this today under three headings. Gifted, built up, sent out. Gifted, Apollos had obvious gifts. Built up, God used Priscilla and Aquila to prepare him for his ministry. They built him up and sent out. He traveled to Corinth, where God was able to use him mightily. Firstly, gifted. Uh, There was this little band of believers at a place called Ephesus, which is on the west coast of the place we now know as Turkey. And uh, this little church was basically founded by a woman called Priscilla and her husband Aquila. Uh, They'd been forced to leave their home in Rome because the emperor Claudius had effectively expelled all the Jews. And they made their way to Corinth, and they met Paul in Corinth. Priscilla and Aquila were tent makers, as was Paul, so they worked at that together while Paul was uh, discharging his ministry. Uh, And then eventually they all traveled together to Ephesus. Paul stayed for a short time, 
but Priscilla and Aquila remained to establish this little community of Jesus' followers. So Priscilla and Aquila were, were basically planting a church in Ephesus. They needed all the help they could get, and God knew that, and I think that's why he sent them Apollos. Apollos was a Jew from Alexandria. We're told that he was a learned man with a thorough knowledge of the scriptures. Now, when we talk about the scriptures today, we are, of course, talking about the whole of the Bible, both the Old and the New Testament. But when a first century Christian spoke about the scriptures, they were only talking about the Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament, because the New Testament hadn't yet come into being. The first complete list of New Testament texts was formulated uh, in the 4th century. Nevertheless, we can rely on the accuracy of the New Testament because all the works it contains were written no later than around 120 AD. So in historical terms, very close to the events themselves. So Apollos was a scholar who was well-versed in the Old Testament texts, which do, of course, all point forwards to Jesus. And he came from Alexandria, which was a seat of learning. Um, Alexandria at one point boasted the most impressive library in the ancient world. Uh, We're told that Apollos had been instructed in the way of the Lord and that he spoke with great fervor and taught about Jesus accurately. Uh, Again, it says he began to speak boldly in the synagogue. I mean, he, he he, he sounds like the Billy Graham of antiquity. Uh, What a gift to this little church that is trying to get off the ground. Indeed, Apollos is a gift to the church, but he's not ready to go. He needs a bit of work, and so this is a two-way street. Apollos has tremendous gifts that will help the church to grow, uh, but first he must be built up by the church. But one thing's for sure, he didn't arrive in Ephesus by chance. Uh, We can see God's hand of providence on all of this. I want to ask a question. Do we believe that we arrived here at St. Andrew's by chance? Or do we think that God may have brought us here for a purpose? And if so, for what purpose? Well, maybe the purpose is twofold. To receive something from the church so that we can give something to the church. We all have gifts and abilities that God can use uh, to build his church, to advance his kingdom. But equally, we all need to be built up by the church. So how did Apollos need to be built up? And how do we need to be built up? Well, to start with, every Christian will remain a work in progress for the entirety of their life. Every Christian is undergoing the process of sanctification. That is to say, we are gradually becoming more like Jesus. Now, this is a process, and it's a process that won't be completed until we meet God face to face. I mentioned Billy Graham earlier. Well, his wife, Ruth, once drove through some major roadworks, and as she got to the end of the roadworks, she saw uh, some words on a sign, and she knew instantly that she wanted those words uh, engraved on her tombstone. The sign read this. said, end of construction. Thank you for your patience. So we're all a work in progress. And Apollos was going through the same process of sanctification that all Christians go through. But the passage also reveals that there was a significant gap 
in his understanding of the gospel, like a jigsaw with some of the pieces missing. Uh, there was some aspect of the gospel that was lacking, something that Apollos hadn't yet been told. Uh, in verse 25, we see that he only knew about John's baptism. And verse 26 says, When Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they invited him to their home and explained to him the way of God more adequately. Priscilla and Aquila heard Apollos speaking boldly and passionately about Jesus. And what he knew, he taught accurately, but there was an obvious gap in his knowledge. Uh, Rather frustratingly, Acts doesn't tell us what that gap was. So we can only make an educated guess. Presumably, he knew about the death and resurrection of Jesus uh, because it says he had been instructed in the way of the Lord, the way of our Lord Jesus. But he only knew about John's baptism. So it could be that he hadn't heard that the believers had been filled with the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. Romans 8 verse 9 says, If anyone does not have the Spirit of God, rather the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. The Holy Spirit is a central part of the church's teaching. Neglecting to teach about the Holy Spirit is a serious omission. So maybe that was it. Uh, But we don't know, but we do know that in some way his teaching was deficient. Preaching an incomplete gospel is misleading. Uh, In fact, the gospel is only good news when we preach it in its entirety. So knowing that there is a higher power is not enough. Polytheism, the belief in multiple gods, will get you that far. Knowing that there is one God is not enough. Islam or Judaism will take you that far. Knowing that Jesus was sent by God is not enough. Uh, Mormonism or the Jehovah's Witness movement will get you that far. The claims of Christianity go well beyond all of that, that Jesus was and is God. Now, I'm not going to try and summarize uh, all the claims of Christianity here and now. But later on, when we pray the Nicene Creed, pay careful attention to the words because they give us a very concise summary of the key elements of Christian belief. So Priscilla and Aquila heard Apollos' teaching and they recognized that it was accurate but incomplete. Apollos was gifted and passionate, but he had a blind spot. And to one degree or another, that is true of all Christians. You know, there are different categories of knowledge. It's something, uh, actually, that Donald Rumsfeld, a former uh, U.S. Defense Secretary, said that made me think of this. But, but there are different categories of knowledge. Uh, firstly, there are known knowns. Known knowns. These are things we know that we know. So I know my wife's uh, name and uh, date of birth, Uh, I can be sure of this because I've seen her birth certificate as well as lots of other evidence over the years. So that is a known known, something I know that I know. Then there are unknown knowns. These are things that we know and we don't realize that we know them. Every now and again, there'll be a question that will come up in a quiz and you know the answer. But you're not quite sure how you know the answer. Some bit of knowledge that's been stored away without you realizing it. Of course, that can also be a fluke. Uh, (laughs) When I fluke a few correct answers on who wants to be a millionaire, I very quickly convince myself that I'm a genius. (laughs) But flukes aside, 
there are unknown knowns. The next category is known unknowns. These are things that we don't know, and we know that we don't know them. So, for example, I know that I don't know anything about Geronimo Stilton, apart from the fact that he's a detective mouse. My, <laughs> my daughter knows all about him. I know nothing about him. I know that. That is a known unknown. And finally, there are unknown unknowns. These are things that we don't know, and we don't know that we don't know them. And I can't give you an example of one of these, because if I could, it would be a known unknown. <laughs> so known unknowns are blind spots in our knowledge, and we only become aware of them by revelation. That is to say, a person or a book or a program uh, reveals something to us that until that moment we were completely unaware of. And Apollos had a blind spot in his knowledge that Priscilla and Aquila were able to identify. So what did they do? Did they shout him down as he was preaching in the synagogue? Did they heckle him? Did they rugby tackle him off the stage as it were? No, they didn't do any of that. They invited him to their home and they explained to him the way of God more adequately. Apollos had the confidence to stand up in the synagogue, proclaiming the name of Jesus, uh, presumably against quite fierce uh, opposition. He obviously didn't realize that there was a significant gap in his understanding. He may have even misunderstood some aspect of the gospel. And I think this is incredibly common, not just for those outside of the church, but for people within the church as well. There are all sorts of misconceptions about Christianity. But shouting someone down will not enable them to see their blind spot. Whatever stage we're at with our faith, whatever our level of understanding, one thing's for sure. If people take the time to get to know us, if people invest in us, if people patiently explain things to us, then we are much more likely to learn and grow. We can only be built up in an environment of love, trust, and mutual respect. And that was the approach that Priscilla and Aquila took with Apollos. They didn't argue with him in the synagogue. They didn't embarrass him. They invited him into their home, and they took the time to explain things properly. Of course, there is a time and a place for ro robust debate. Uh, Christians do sometimes need to denounce and refute false teaching and heresy. Uh, when Apollos went to Achaia, it says he vigorously refuted his Jewish opponents in public debate. But in the context of the local church, the aim is always to nurture rather than to be at loggerheads. So Priscilla and Aquila, they befriended Apollos, they took him into their home, and they began to fill in the gaps in his knowledge. And Apollos was obviously open to this. Despite his great learning, he wasn't arrogant. He humbly accepted that he was still learning. And what's even remarkable is that despite the patriarchal nature of ancient society, he was willing to learn from a woman. When Priscilla and Aquila, whenever uh, Priscilla and Aquila are mentioned, it's always Priscilla's name that's given first. And this is quite unusual in the ancient world. Uh, normally it would be the man's name that was given first. And what this indicates 
is that Priscilla, who was female, was the most prominent member of this little group of Christians at Ephesus. And there is no doubt that Priscilla played a role in explaining the way of God more adequately to Apollos. And I mention this because there are churches that prohibit women from teaching men. And I I spoke to someone the other day uh, whose parents uh, attend a church that hold this position, and his mum was teaching a Bible study in the home, and it was a mixed group of men and women. And when the leaders of the church found out about this, they asked uh, his mother to step back and uh, so that uh, his father could then uh, assume this role of leading this, uh, this Bible study group. Um, the thing is, this guy's father didn't have the appropriate gifts to lead a Bible study, but his mother did. And I wonder what the leadership of that church would make of this passage. Because here we have Priscilla, who is a woman, explaining the gospel to Apollos. Uh, Martin Luther, the reformer, was uh, the first to suggest that Apollos may even have written the book of Hebrews. We don't know that for sure, uh, but certainly he was a pivotal leader in the early church. If Priscilla could teach him, why should any woman with the appropriate gifts not teach a mixed group of men and women? It's an important issue and one that we'll encounter from time to time. Uh, So it's imperative that we can make our case from a biblical perspective. We don't just kind of make things up as we go along. We look to see uh, what the scriptures actually say about these things. And, And so this is just one of those parables that enables us to do that. So we know that Apollos was learned and passionate. He spoke with fervor and conviction. He was clearly a gift to the church, but this wasn't a one-way street. As much as he had tremendous potential to advance the gospel and build the church, he needed the support and encouragement of the church to prepare him for his ministry. He needed the the church's guidance at that initial phase. He didn't come ready to go. And Priscilla and Aquila were willing to invest time in him to, to, to get him up to speed, to, to get him up and running. This faithful couple who planted a church in Ephesus took Apollos under their wing and with grace, love and sound doctrine, they enabled him to grow in knowledge, wisdom and understanding. They may not have known it at the time, but this was a vitally important part of the work that God had called them to do. In fact, despite being involved in establishing a strategically important church in the first century, uh, this is the only thing, this work with Apollos, is the only thing that the book of Acts records them doing, apart from making tents with Paul in Corinth. So what was the impact of their work with Apollos, this time that they spent with him? Well, in the end, Apollos was sent out. God had work for him to do in another city, in the city of Corinth. Uh, By the way, uh, being sent out in our context doesn't necessarily mean we're going to be sent to another city. I mean, it could do, but chances are it won't mean that. Being sent out in our context means stepping into the ministry that God has called us to. Stepping into the ministry that God has called us to and being out there in the world with that ministry. So the last part of our reading says this. When Apollos wanted, uh, sorry, when Apollos wanted to go to Achaia, which was the region where the city of Corinth was, 
the brothers and sisters encouraged him and wrote to the disciples there to welcome him. When he arrived, he was a great help to those who by grace had believed. Having spent time with Priscilla and Aquila, Apollos uh, was equipped for a wider ministry. There's no doubt he'd been a huge help to the believers at, at Ephesus, but now the Holy Spirit was guiding Apollos to Corinth. And he was so influential in Corinth that some of the believers there started to say, oh, well, we follow Apollos. And others were saying, well, we follow Paul. And this was threatening to, to split the church. It was causing a rift. So Paul writes to them, and he basically says, listen, the church is built on Jesus. He is the one that matters. So don't make a big deal out of individual leaders because they are nothing without Jesus. But the fact that this happened goes to show that Apollos uh, was an influential leader in the early church. And so we've seen that uh, Apollos had a tremendous amount to offer the church, uh, but he had to receive from the church before he could offer anything. Once he spent time with Priscilla and Aquila, he, he was sent out to Corinth where he made a tremendous impact for Jesus. And it's the same for us. It's the same for us. Each one of us has gifts that God can use for his church. But for that to happen, we must first be built up by his church. And that's not a one-off event. That's something we need to keep on doing, keep being built up uh, by the church. That's why we're here together this morning. Uh, so even though... Uh, well, let's remember, though, that the... The, uh, the true church represents Jesus and is empowered by the Holy Spirit. So even though the church is the mechanism, the, that, that work of building up Christians is always a work of the Holy Spirit. And we all need building up. Even someone as capable and knowledgeable and fired up as Apollos. It could be that like Apollos, we have blind spots in our knowledge, in our understanding. It could be that we need the support and encouragement of other Christians to help us to make godly decisions. It could be that uh, we, we, we need uh, a place to worship and be refreshed in God's presence so we can find the strength to stay in the race and keep fighting our fight. More than likely, it'll be all those things and more. The question is this. Are we willing to draw close enough to the church to allow the church to minister to us in this way. I'll say that again. This is, this is the crux. Are we willing to draw close enough to the church to allow the church to minister to us in this way? The church is the visible presence of Christ in the world. When we draw close to the church, we draw close to Jesus. And we all need to draw close to Jesus. Uh, because we will not fulfill our, our potential as human beings. We will not fulfill God's plan and purpose for our lives unless we draw close to Jesus. Jesus said it himself, didn't he? He said, without me, you can do nothing. So we must draw close to Jesus. We must draw close to the church and allow the church to minister to us. Apollos was gifted, built up, and sent out. And that will be the pattern for all believers, providing we're willing to engage in that process. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for people like Priscilla and Aquila, 
who faithfully built your church in the first century. The, the very reason that we're here today is that the faith has been passed down to us. We thank you, Father, for those who uh, would nurture others. We thank you for those who have nurtured us, who have built us up, who, has in, who have encouraged us in our faith. And we pray that in turn we will be able to do that for others so that together we can pass on the faith to our children and to our children's children. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.